today on felt board faith, and so the past few weeks, we've been talking about these Bible stories from our childhood, and you know, most of all these stories we're familiar with, but we said, you know what, we want to take a fresh look at these stories, we want to step back and see some of the principles that God may be wanting to teach us in our lives today, and so we've talked about Jonah and the big fish, we talked about Daniel and the lion's den, we talked about last week, David and Goliath, come on. This week is probably one of the lesser known Bible stories, but it's actually found in John chapter 9, where we're going to be talking about a man that was born blind. And so to kick this all off, I'm going to ask my little man, Aiden Joshua, to come up here and help me talk about this story. Come on, buddy. Give him a hand. There you go, buddy. You look sharp today, man. Thank you. Your mama dress you? Yes. <laughs> so, John chapter 9, we're talking about this man who was born blind. So, Jesus and the disciples were walking by this guy one day. And what happened? Explain to me in your words what took place. So, Jesus um, and the disciples, they were walking by and then they saw this man born blind. And then so Jesus spit on the ground to make dirt and then or mud and then put it on his eyes and then told him to go wash it out and then when he washed it out he could see again. Man, great job, man. So let me ask you, yeah, give him a hand. Did y'all know that? I'm just saying. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. Uh, how what do you think about somebody spitting on the ground? Making mud and putting it in your eyes. That would be so nasty. That would be so nasty. You think the guy was like, gross, don't stop. You think he was like that? Yes, so much. So much so. But at the end result, the guy got healed, eyes open, and everything was great, right? I bet he was like so surprised. So surprised, amen. Because well, he didn't know who spit on his eyes. He didn't know he spit on his eyes. I got you. He probably didn't even care he spit on the ground and made mud as long as he could see, right? Yeah. There you go. Hey, buddy, thank you so much for your help today. I appreciate you. Give him a hand, guys. Great job, ADP. So uh, we're going to start this story out. Let me ask you guys a question. I want you to be honest with me. How many of you guys in here have really good eyesight? Come on, raise your hand. Like 2020 or more. Come on, all the young people are raising their hand, a couple of you old folks. But anyway, uh, I, you know, I really took my eyesight for granted up until a couple of years ago. I always had really good eyesight. Somebody told me, man, when you hit them 40s, especially in the mid-40s, you're going to wake up one day and it's going to leave you. And I was like, brother, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That's not going to happen to me. I eat a lot of carrots, so I'm going to be good. So I woke up a couple of years ago and I was like, man, my eyes were a little blurry. I couldn't really understand it. I couldn't figure it out. I started noticing that some of the signs on the highway were a little bit harder to read and, you know, just different things kind of, you know, really not that clear. I didn't pay it a lot of attention because I just figured, man, 
I just need to eat more carrots. So can I tell you something? Walmart and Food Line can't sell enough carrots to help me out now. Here I am two years later, and I'm like having to watch TV with a pair of binoculars. My kids will bring me some stuff, and they're like, can you put batteries in this in this little remote control? And I'm like, my arm is not long enough, and I'm trying to hit it, and I've got a magnifying glass and a flashlight. Your eyesight tends to leave you. And listen, here's the thing. When your eyesight starts to leave you, these two tubes right here look exactly the same. They look the same. They've even got the same texture on the inside. But here's what you'll learn is one of them is toothpaste and the other one is hemorrhoid cream. Come on, somebody holler at me. Amen. Come on, guys. The thing about it is when you start losing your eyesight, you need some help around the house. Amen. Now, it's funny and we laugh about all of that because we're talking about losing our physical eyesight. But let me just point this out to you. How sad is it to lose your spiritual sight? How sad is it to get to a point in your life where not only your physical eyesight starts to get blurry, but what about your spiritual eyesight? What happens when that starts to get blurry as well? And so then you start making decisions based off incorrect information and I like to call them blind spots. Uh, how many of you know what a blind spot is? If you're, you're driving down the road in your car and you know, you've got your rearview mirrors, that's cool, that's great. But there's always this time where there's that spot in your car somewhere where you can't really see that car coming up. And if you try to change lane, you know, all of that, it's a blind spot. Here's what I know is that as humans, we all have blind spots in our lives, not only physically, but spiritually. And so what I want to do today for the next few moments is that I'm going to talk a little bit about some common causes of blind spots. So before we get into that, let's open up your Bibles to John chapter 9. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can click on that. If you've got a mobile device, it's also on the screen. So let's read through this story really quick. John chapter 9, starting at verse 1. It says, as he went along, now this is talking about Jesus here. As Jesus went along, he saw a blind man, or he saw a a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva, put it on the man's eyes and said, Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man went and washed and came home seeing. The man came home seeing. Father, thank you so much for this day you've given us. Thank you for your word as it opens our hearts and speaks something into our souls today. And uh, Lord, just help us to receive from you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. I want to talk a little bit about some common causes of spiritual blindness in our lives. Now, this is a really neat story in the Bible. There's a lot of key players in this story. But what I want to show you is that several of these key players actually had spiritual blindness. And if you're not careful, you will take on the same thing that these guys took on. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write some things down today. Some causes of spiritual blindness. Number one, the disciples were blinded by societal beliefs. 
The disciples were blinded by societal beliefs. So picture this in your mind. Jesus and the disciples, they're walking down the road, and they come across this guy who is born blind. And the first thing the disciples ask him in John chapter 9, verse 2, his disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now, here's what I want to point out to you. The culture in that time, the society of that day, believed that if you had any kind of defect at all, it was a result of sin. So if you had blindness, if you had deafness, if you had lameness, whatever, if you had a a physical problem, the society of that day believed it was because somewhere in your life you sinned. If you were born that way, then society said, your parents must have sinned. So here's the disciples. They've been with Jesus. They've walked with Jesus. And yet they have allowed society and culture to define their belief system instead of God. And here's the thing. They were wrong and didn't even realize they were wrong. And so you may be saying, well, man, that doesn't happen to me. But the reality is, every single one of us in here today, we all have beliefs about life, about God, and about the church. And we've got these beliefs from a variety of places. For instance, some of your beliefs come from your parents, may come from partners or peers, may come from Sunday school, may come from the street. Come on now, the hard knock life. You know what I'm saying? So it may have come from that. It may even have come from Hollywood. It could have come from media, politician. We get these different beliefs from all of these different avenues. And sometimes it's hard to remember where we even got them from. But here's what you have to understand. Just because society said this is the way it is doesn't mean that's the way it is. Just because culture says you need to do this, or you've got a news media saying you need to do that, or this one saying you need to go this way. Listen, you need to check that with God's Word because a lot of times we're believing things that quite frankly doesn't line up with the Bible. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 It says, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit, for there are many false prophets in the world. Again, if you're going to stand up and say, I believe in this, does God's Word back it up? Or is it something that you got off the radio or the TV or the culture or society? You know, it's interesting because I hear people making comments that say, you know, this is in the Bible when it actually isn't in the Bible. Let me give you three kind of the top ones that I hear all the time. They say, Pastor, God helps those who help themselves. That's in the Bible. Sounds good. Not in the Bible. Amen. It's just not there. It sounds good. But the fact of the matter is you can do a whole lot of stuff. But Jesus said, hey, man, I need you to die to yourself. I need you to live for me and serve me. Here's another one. This is probably one that I hear more than anything else. Well, Pastor God just wants me to be happy. Come on, you ever heard that one before? Pastor God just wants me to be happy. And and, and it sounds really good, but you do understand that God is not your personal genie. You, You get that, right? God's not in heaven just wanting to grant every wish that you have. And so it's amazing how people will justify their actions, sometimes sinful actions, by saying God just wants me to be happy. God wants us to be obedient to Him. God wants us to trust Him. God wants us to live for Him, even if it doesn't make us feel happy at that time. 
Here's another one. This is a really good one. Parents, we use this one all the time. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Come on, somebody. Have you ever used that one before? Trying to get your kids to clean their room or something? Now listen, the people around you will really enjoy the fact that you're clean. Amen? But it's not in the scripture. It's not there. So you have to be careful. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says this. Be careful what you think. Why? Because your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think. Be careful what you believe. Be careful when you put a stamp on something and say, I'm going to stand on this particular truth. Make sure God's word backs that up. Because here's the disciples, and these guys assume that they knew the truth. Surely this man has sinned, or his parents have sinned, but... I love the answer that Jesus gives here, and it's in verse 3. Jesus answered him and said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The disciples did not even know what they didn't know. They didn't know what they didn't know. And, you know, I ran across a story some time ago about Bob and Jan Smotherman And they were in the Amazon jungle. They were part of the Wycliffe translators of the Bible. They had been translating the Bible for some five years. They had hooked up with the Makona tribe. And they were translating the book of John. And so five years into this thing, they gathered everyone in that Makona tribe. They gathered them and they were reading the book of John. And when they got to John chapter 9 verse 3, something happened. When they read the scripture, it said, this happened so that God would be glorified. One of the elders in that tribe stood up, lifted up his hand, and said, we must stop killing our babies. Because they had taught in that culture that if a baby was born with a birth defect, they killed the child. And so for years and years and years, they did not know what they did not know until they discovered the truth of God's word. They realized they had been blinded by societal beliefs. And you say, well, pastor, that's, that's all right, but that's in the Amazon rainforest. Surely it doesn't happen. It happens here all the time. It happens here every day. We are allowing culture. We're allowing society. We're allowing different things to dictate to us what is truth and what is not truth. But hear me today. When you stand on anything else other than the truth of God's word, it will create a blind spot in your life. Here's the second thing I want to point out to you. The neighbors were blinded by skepticism. So you've got some of them blinded by societal beliefs. Now you've got the neighbors blinded by skepticism. And here's this blind guy. He receives his sight. He's telling the world. He's excited. He's happy. How do you think his friends reacted? Man, you would think they would be all in and and yes, man, high five, chest bump, all of that. But watch what happens. His neighbors, this is verse 8, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him beg and asked, isn't this the man that used to sit and beg? Some of his friends said he was. Others said he's not. He just looks like him. And here's the man saying, it's me. It's really me. So here's the guy, born blind. A miracle has happened right in their midst. He's running around jumping, telling everybody, it's me. I've been healed. But everybody around him was so blinded by their doubts, they couldn't see the miracle that had just been performed. He's telling them, and he's like, hey, it's me. Let me ask you a question. Does that happen today? Absolutely. 
Man, people come in and they have an encounter with Jesus and they go all in for Him. They resign as CEO of their lives. They give everything they've got to Jesus. They immediately go out, start telling family and friends, hey, this is what happened. And immediately they get bombarded. You hadn't changed. You, you'll never last. You know, I had a, 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 a dear friend of mine, years ago, he was an alcoholic. He was homeless. We helped him out. Church come together. Not this one, the church I was a part of. We, we, we got him a house. We got him a place to stay. We got him everything. And he came into the church and he gave his life to Christ. And I never will forget, on his way out, I heard several people saying, he'll never make it. He'll never make it. He'll never make it. He'll never make it. And it's amazing because that happens all the time. Here is a man who has truly experienced life change in his heart, in his life. Is he perfect? Is everything great? No, but he's experienced this. But Satan has put a veil over the eyes of everyone around him that they can't see the obvious. And man, I talk to people all the time and they, they kind of treat God like this. Man, there's no way God loves me. There's no way God can care about me. There's no way God understands my pain. There's no way God can help me overcome my fears. And so it is that skepticism that blinds them to the fact that there's a God in heaven that loves them and cares for them and wants to change their life. And so you've got some that are blinded by societal beliefs. You've got some that are blinded by skepticism. They've got doubts in their hearts. And again, this causes spiritual blindness. But then here's the third one. The religious people were blinded by sin. The religious people were blinded by sin. Religion is simply a system of beliefs or rituals or observance that are adhered to by a group of people. So you've got this religious, this religious kind of spirit. It's all about the systems. It's all about the checkbox. It's all about doing this and doing that and jumping through hoops and going here. Can I just say this to you? Religion is all about do, 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 do. Christianity is simply done. That's it. Jesus said it is finished. The work on the cross has already been done. But so many people find it easier. Give me a checkbox. Give me a list. Give me some hoops to jump through. And then I can maintain the relationship. And this is what was happening right here. I mean, you've got the church people. Here, here they are. And they are interrogating this poor guy. Look at verse 26. They ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Now, I love the way this guy responded. Here's what he said. He said, man, I've told you already. Did you not listen? I mean, here's a guy that was blind. He is healed. He's running around. They've already asked him what happened. He's already told. And now they bring him back in again. And they're like, what happened? He's like, man, I've already answered you. Did you not? Why do you want to hear this again? And then I love this because it's almost like he was pouring salt on a wound. He said, you want to be his disciples too? And man, these guys were livid. And they started insulting him and they finally threw him out. Now I want you to picture this for a moment. You've got a guy that has been blind from birth. He's healed and he's standing in front of them and they're debating whether the guy was blind or not. Are you following this? Are you tracking with me? And, 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 and if he was healed, it had to be a sinner that healed him because he was healed on the Sabbath. Because the religious system believed that you can't heal anybody on the Sabbath. That's, that's a sin. 
And so here these guys are, and they're so focused on getting their religious system right that they forgot all about their relationship with God. And that was their sin. Their religion became more important to them than their God. And you're like, well, man, that's, that's not us. Wait a minute. Before we point too many fingers, because how many of you know when you point one finger, there's four or five of them pointing back at you. Don't we kind of do this too? We get so wrapped up in all of these doctrines and all of these things and, and people constantly bombard me with all of these questions. Are you Calvinism? Are you Armenian? Are you Wesleyan? Which one are you? Do you speak in tongues or do you believe it ended in the first century? Do you use contemporary music or do you sing hymns? Do you wear a suit and tie or do you dress casual? And I wonder sometimes if we don't get so wrapped up in all of this stuff and Jesus moves right into the middle of us and does a miracle and we can't even recognize it because it doesn't line up with our systems. And that was a good point to say amen right there. But it happens all the time. There was a guy in this church, and man, I love him and his family dearly. He, he, he coined a phrase. I told him I would give him credit for it one time, and then from here on out, it's mine. Amen? It's, it's mine. Here's how the phrase goes. Jesus plus what equals salvation? Jesus plus what equals salvation? Okay, let me help you. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. But here's where religion comes in. Jesus plus, let me check my box. Jesus plus, let me do this. Jesus plus, you got to do this. Jesus plus, you got to dress this way. Jesus plus, you got to sing this. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. But we get so wrapped up in our religious systems. And Jesus is right here doing a miracle. And these guys can't even recognize it. You know, it reminds me of a story that Sherlock Holmes told when him and Watson went camping one evening. And they, they had eaten dinner together and they went to sleep and they got in the tent and they, and, and they were there. And later on that night, Sherlock Holmes wakes up and he says, Watson, wake up. He says, look up and tell me what you see. Watson says, man, I see millions of stars. Holmes says, well, what does that tell you? Watson says, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies beyond ours. Astro uh, astrologically, it tells me that Saturn is in Leo. Theologically, it tells me God is all-powerful. Meteorologically, it tells me that the day will likely be a beautiful day. Why? Wow, what does that tell you? Holmes looked at him and said, Dude, somebody stole our tent! <laughs> Some of you will get it later. <laughs> By all means, learn the word. By all means, define your beliefs. By all means, be willing to stand for the truth. But don't get so blinded by your religion that you lose sight of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Blind spots. The disciples were blinded by societal beliefs. The neighbors were blinded by skepticism. The religious people were blinded by sin. Here's the fourth one. The guy's parents. The parents, the ones closest to him, were blinded by scare tactics. Let's pick it up in verse 18. The Jews, what they do? They went and they sent for the man's parents. They says, hey, is this your son? They ask. Is he the one who you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? Well, here's the parents. They're saying, hey, man, we know this is our son. We know he was born blind. But how he can see now, who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He's of age. 
He'll speak for himself. But his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews who already, because the Jews had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. Do you see what's going on right here? The religious people are there and they're so determined to maintain control over everything that anyone who even suggests that they like Jesus would be excommunicated from the temple. And some of you are like, well, big deal. If that happens now, I'll just go to another church. It wasn't like that back then. If you got excommunicated from the temple, that basically meant that nobody in the temple would do business with you. They wouldn't talk with you. They wouldn't associate with you. So as a business owner, you signed your death certificate of your business when you got excommunicated from the temple. And so they're not willing to do this. They, they, they were thrilled the fact that Jesus had opened his eyes, but they were afraid of being kicked out of the church so they wouldn't speak up and say anything. You ever known anybody like that? You ever known anybody who came in and they were just so excited about their relationship with Jesus? They were excited about what was going on in their life, but they were afraid to tell anyone what was going on. And as a result, you know what happens? No joy. No peace. Why? Because, guys, there is power in sharing your faith. There's power in that. And listen to me, guys. I'm not saying that you need to go out and hit people over the head with a two-ton Bible. You know, that's not what I'm saying. But don't be afraid to tell people about Jesus. There's power in the gospel message. Let me prove it to you. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 The Apostle Paul says, man, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. I want you to lean in for one second. I want to hit this point. It's not in your notes. The fact that you're here today tells me something. Well, Pastor, I just kind of stumbled in. No, you didn't. You might have thought that. God has you where you are for three things. Again, it's not in your notes. You might want to write this down. God has you where you are for three things. He has you here for a reason, for a season, and for a soul. That's why you're here. That's why you are where you are. There's a reason why you're here. And there's a season why you're here. But most importantly, there's a soul. There's somebody that God has called you to impact. There's somebody that God has called you to speak into their heart, to speak into their lives that can bring them to Him so that He can do the amazing miracle in their life. And so here we are in the middle of this story and right in the middle of all of these blind spots, you know, there's one thing that that stands out so clearly to me and that is the clarity that this formerly blind man has. These religious leaders, they call him in and they're like, hey man, tell us what happens. He said, well, man, all I know is Jesus spits on the ground. He makes some mud, puts it on my eyes. I wash off and now I can see. And so they're arguing, well, he did a miracle. He must be from God, but he did it on the Sabbath. He's probably the devil. And so they asked the man, well, what do you say about him? He said, well, guys, I think he's a prophet. And so they're outraged. They kicked him out, but then they bring him right back in again. And they kind of bait the hook and they're like, hey, come on, tell us. You know he's a sinner. You, you, you know it ain't much to him. Come on, come on, tell us. And I love his response. And here's why I want to land the plane for you today. Verse 25. He says, guys, I got to tell you, man. 
Whether this guy's a sinner or not, I don't know. But here's what I know. I was blind, but now I see. That's all I know. I don't care about the doctrines. I don't care about the, the systems. I don't, I, don't, I don't care about the society says. I don't care about the culture. I, I don't care what my parents are saying right now. But, but here's what I know, guys. I was blind, but now I see. I don't need to explain it. I've already experienced it. And can I tell you something? That's not just his story. That's our story. That's your story. That's, that's my story. It reminds me of that precious hymnal, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What does it say? I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see.